Disney takes ownership of the Moroccan Pavilion at Epcot, Lucasfilm resurrects Willow, and there are new SeaWorld Orlando behind-the-scenes tours. All that and more on this week's episode of Skull Rock Podcast. Skull Rock Podcast, talking all things Disney. With your hosts, El John Go and Dave Bossert. Welcome to yet another edition of Skull Rock Podcast, where every week we talk all things Disney, pop culture, with never before heard stories, and moments from some of your favorite Disney films, theme park attractions, performances, books, music, and much more. I'm your co-host, Al John Go, musician, longtime Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars, plus our pop culture. Big fan of that. You can email me at uh, aljohn at skullrockpodcast.com. And I'm Dave Bossard, artist, filmmaker, and author. And welcome to our podcast. If you love Disney pop culture, please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, as well as like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can also email me at dave at skullrockpodcast.com. Al John, we've got a show and a half here. We do. We've got so much to talk about. about. (laughs) While you're on the road, too, by the way, Dave, you're a road warrior. I am. I'm. Uh, I've taken the podcast on the road. Uh, I am up on the central coast of California in beautiful Morro Bay, oh. and on the video here, you can see a painting of the Morro Bay Rock behind me. Uh, nice. Maybe someday that'll get up on YouTube. I don't know. Nice. But um, yeah, I uh, took the weekend uh, after we released uh, the uh, limited edition of the 3D Disneyland, like you've never seen it before book and it's gone out to everybody who uh purchased it uh or purchased the limited edition and uh they've all got their books uh, a good i don't know it's almost like three weeks before it actually releases on uh amazon barnes and noble and books a million that's exciting i i love it and i love that you guys have gotten together and and you you signed till your your hand pr- practically fell off <laughs> I, I got to tell you, uh, this weekend, I, I had to really re- recuperate. That's why we came up here this weekend. My my arms were killing me. Yeah, that, that's a lot of signing. Now, you see, that that's the life of the celeb, the celeb life. <laughs> I know, r- real world problems. Uh, right, right. Well, I tell you what, we, we love the fact that the book is coming out and you can support that book. Um, we'll put a link to the show notes as well. I know that, that Dave, you, you don't necessarily want to make this show about plugs, but uh, I have to say, man, this book is going to be yeah. amazing. Listen, once in a while, there's going to be a shameless plug. You know, <laughs> I mean, honestly, people expect it. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing is Dave is taking the Muppet Mobile Lab for podcasting on the road. Um, you you might hear his mic kind of warble a little bit, and that's because he's he's the man on the street. He's got the handheld mic, just like uh, the man on the street reporter. So just keep that in mind. We'd also like to give a shout out to our listeners. Now, this podcast is made possible by listeners like you. And to support our show, you can always visit our Anchor Show uh, page, which is anchor.fm forward slash Skull Rock Podcast. And click on the support button, like our Skull Rock Podcast family members, Lindsay Scoffy, what up, Lindsay? That deserves a big air horn. I don't have my air horn sound effect. And Charles at AG. So, uh, Lindsay and Charles, thank you so much for supporting our show every month. We do yes, appreciate. Thank that. you, Lindsay and Charles. Absolutely. 
Skull Rock Podcast, ripped from the headlines. It's Skull Rock Podcast headline news. So official sounding. It really is. And <laughs> and I got to tell you, this first story, Al John, I mean, you know, I was sitting there reading the uh, Moroccan world news, as I usually do. Right? <laughs> and here's a story on Disney takes ownership of Moroccan pavilion in Epcot. And I thought that was really interesting because, you know, Epcot, when it first started, had all these world showcases and the company actually went out and sold those as sponsorships, you know. So a lot of the countries ponied up, um, you know, a substantial amount of money to get those pavilions built. Right. Absolutely. And the whole thought, as Walt did early on with the parks, is look for anchor sponsors for all of what Disney built, because it made for a great promotional tool, whether it be Hormel or Coca-Cola, uh, uh, General Electric, right? I mean, yeah, the list absolutely. goes on and on for Ford, Ford Motor Company. Right. I mean, the 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 uh, Kodak. I mean, it was an endless uh, stream of sponsors, and, and and that's you know that was a smart way for him to do it because other companies came in with the capital he needed. Uh, in order to get, uh, uh, you know, Disneyland, the original, uh, off the ground. And and I think Epcot uh, was really, they sort of looked at that as a bit of a, like, world's, like a permanent World's Fair, where, you know, like at a World's Fair, pavilions are sponsored by companies and countries. Yes, and that was the whole point when, Epcot's World Showcase debuted, the countries were supposed to help fit the bill for a lot of these pavilions, promote tourism in their respective countries, and just like uh, many others in these plans, Morocco, and their then, I guess it was their prime minister, right, had had worked with the U.S. and Disney hand-in-hand to promote it, in fact, so much that they actually did a lot of the plans, building it from the ground up, making sure that it was super authentic, that the architecture was there. It represented the country very well. And they have always actively promoted. Morocco has promoted the tourism. And it looks like they'll continue to do so and, and, and consult with that. But, you know, this is a very interesting thing about recovering some of the debt that Walt Disney has, has had, um, especially during this time. Well, and I think that this is is certainly, uh, you know, another fallout of the pandemic because, you know, the restaurants and shops that this company uh, owned or operated, I should say, at uh, the Moroccan Pavilion, um, they were trying to get, uh, they had a tr- applied for uh, a loan of a million to two million dollars under the Paycheck pr- uh, protection program uh, to try and save the 260 jobs that they, you know, the folks that they were employing there. And uh, they just couldn't, couldn't pull it off. And they got into arrears with Disney. And I think, I think Disney uh, took the opportunity to um, take it over uh, so that they're operating it. Yeah. I, I think you're going to find, I think we are going to find, more of those type of situations happening um, as not only as the world continues to, to try to grow out of this situation, but you're going to find that more, more and more people uh, are, are going to be tightening their purse strings and that Disney's going to have to fit the bill for a lot of what's uh, what they've built. Uh, and that yeah. goes for the, the countries 
um, in, in the World Showcase. So, uh, and then out here in California, you know, they're struggling to try and get the Disneyland Resort reopened. And, um, you know, this next piece we were going to talk about, Disneyland is uh, still closed, but part of Disney's California Adventure may be opening soon. Yeah, it says, uh, according to the SF Gate, um, it says, good news for Disneyland lovers. You'll be able to get into Disney's DCA real soon. While the parks remain closed, per this week's guidance from California Governor Gavin Newsom, they won't be opening anytime soon, but there is a way to get people through the gates of DCA or DCA <laughs> um, in, in a counterpart to Main Street, of course, in their shopping district, as, as you alluded to. It yeah. says that it, it, they don't know exactly the day, but they're going to be opening the front section of California Adventure uh, with all the stores and shops and the restaurants. So that should be pretty cool. It should be noted that the candy canes sold during the holidays would be available there as well. And there's nothing like the fresh Disneyland candy cane. You're absolutely right. And, and, you know, that whole front section of uh, California Adventure uh, to me is just an extension of downtown Disney. You know, uh, it, it's all shops and restaurants and, you know, uh, I think trying to at least get that portion open. And, you know, by the way, if they do that, they might as well open Main Street at Disneyland. They might as well. Uh, and at least people can do some holiday shopping uh, and, uh, and get some of the employees back to work. I hope they do that, Dave. I yeah. really hope they do that. It would be great for you know, some cast members that are looking for, for ways to work during this time and provide for their families. It would be great to, to have people get out in a safe way and do their holiday shopping and get some of that merch going, right? So I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. I, I hope they do it. I mean, I'd really like to see some of those folks. I mean, you know, uh, just unbelievable the, the the layoffs that have happened uh, across the company. And, you know, again, this past week, I heard, uh, you know, a lot of people I know uh, and have worked with over the years have been uh, uh, laid off, uh, which is a shame. And many of those people were furloughed for months with no paycheck. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just uh, what do you do? You know, you got to be able to to try to try try to uh, try to make sense of everything. But uh, once again, you know, our hearts go out to to the cast members, and hopefully, people can get back to some sense of normalcy and get those candy canes. For heaven's sake, let's get some candy canes going. I know. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You got to make the best of the holiday season. You got know? to try. And- and next up, we, we, we have a really interesting story uh, with uh, Ron Howard. And I know you're a huge fan, so I, you, you've got to talk about this. So I'm excited because Lucasfilm is more than just Star Wars. Lucasfilm has done great pieces. I, I, don't, I don't know, Dave, if uh, you're a fan of Red Tails. Do you remember that film that Lucas did before he sold yeah, it to Disney? Yeah, I, I did. That was uh, about the uh, Tuskegee uh, Airmen. Airmen, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and just the contributions of Black Air Force pilots during the war effort. Just a really great film. And he's done a lot of different types of films that aren't Star Wars or Indiana Jones. And one of them happens to be Willow. And yes. I'm a big fan of, of Willow. And we've all, as fans of this franchise, were wondering, well, 
when can we see a sequel? Well, this time it's coming to Disney Plus, y'all, and I'm so excited about it. Um, so and War, War, Warwick Davis is back. Exactly right. So Ron Howard, director, director of the original Willow film, will be returning as executive producer on the series heading to Disney Plus with the writer, the original writer, uh, Bob Dolman, serving mm-hmm. as consulting producer. And it is, quote, creatively exciting not only to revisit the world and characters first conceived by George Lucas, uh, but Bob Dolman and myself, uh, but to see it take uh, take flight in such fresh, fun, and cinematic ways through the imagination of John Kasdan and Team Willow, says Ron Howard. My man, Ron Howard. There uh, you go. Isn't it a nostalgic throwback, a creative lean forward to the, uh, and it's going to be a blast to be part of it all. So uh, this is great. Now, if you're not familiar with Willow, you're not familiar with Warwick Davis. Warwick played uh, one of his very first roles. I believe he was about nine years old when he was cast as Wicket the Ewok in Return of the Jedi for Star Wars. And throughout history, he's played so many great roles in the Harry Potter series. He's played, um, you know, just whenever there is a a little person who has great acting chops that they need, uh, Warwick Davis is stepping into that role, and it's going to be great to see him come back. And not only that, but the plan is to use the landscape of Wales, where much of the original film was shot, um, and do that film out there. So um, this is great. it's going to be awesome. It's going to it's going to have high production value, and I think it's really terrific that they're they're turning it into a series. I, I love it. I love it. So if you haven't checked it out, please stream Willow and check it out. And uh, I can't wait to see what happens with this because, uh, as we say, content is king. Like you said last week, Dave. And it uh, is content is king, and you just have to have a lot of content. You got to be able to to drive people to your platforms, and it's all about the content. Yep, absolutely. And I wonder if Val Kilmer will make a cameo or two in this. You know, it, it's going to be interesting. You know, he's had some health issues with yep. the throat cancer and everything, and uh, I'd love to see him come back. He's he's such a terrific actor. I saw Val Kilmer. Oh man, maybe five, six years ago at the Chicago Comic Con. And it was a different looking Val Kilmer. Yeah, no, he's he's definitely changed because of the uh the the health issues he's had over the last few years. But you know what? Still a great actor. Mm-hmm. Um really terrific individual. Absolutely. To, I, I think he used to do did, did he do a one man uh Mark Twain show? I believe he did and I, I Val Kilmer to me did such an impeccable job uh, on the Doors kind of biopic, the Oliver Stone. Oh, I, I mean, he was I mean, Jim Morrison. Was Jim I mean, Morrison. that was amazing. He was great in that, and I'll never forget my first uh, remembrance of him in Weird in a Real Genius um, in the '80s. That movie was so much fun. And and Val Kilmer's uh, I've I was been, I've been a big fan of Val Kilmer's acting for a while. I thought that he actually did a pretty good Batman. Uh, my wife seems to love <laughs> Val Kilmer and Batman in the Doors, so um, I get it. I totally get it. But Warwick Davis also a very fun individual, and I've met him in passing at Star Wars weekends, and it's it would be amazing to see the two of them team up once again in this mm. universe that they've created for Willow. And with someone that's returning to the franchise, uh, you know, with uh, 
I know, just the whole the whole the whole storytelling group, you know, with Ron Howard and mm-hmm. it's just gonna be great. So I'm glad they're kind of reuniting the band for yet another go. And, and I, I, I think that's very it's very important that they bring back the original filmmakers and, and participants, you know, because I, I think that's what will uh, uh, maintain the uh, um, the core, you know, the essence of uh, of that original movie and, and transition it into the show. Exactly. It's that authenticity. I think people yeah. want to see. And I think that's that's kind of where a lot of these franchises have to go. They have to go back to what brought them to the dance and what fans expect. And uh, that is definitely part of that love letter that the, the directors and the, and the producers of the, the, the franchise want to do, which is good. Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. SeaWorld, Dave. Yeah, you know what? I flagged this to you because, I don't know, I, I have an affinity to SeaWorld, I guess. I, I like to go to SeaWorld once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's been issues with them over the years, but th- I thought this was an interesting story because SeaWorld Orlando is introducing several limited run, limited capacity experiences to demonstrate its animal care facilities. And so it's going to allow guests um, uh, to look uh you know, uh, sort of behind the scenes and it'll include multiple trainer talks and sessions and, um, and it's, uh, it's included in regular theme park admission. And, uh, I, I just thought this was really, uh, something quite inter- interesting because it, it allows you as a guest to go behind the scenes and see what they're actually doing. And, you know, a lot of these facilities are doing research and, you know, this kind of dovetails a little bit to something that I really want to talk about because years ago, you know, I've been to the Disney's animal kingdom many, many times. And, and I've been there a bunch of times uh, over the years with Roy E. Disney and Roy was the real champion to get, animal kingdom built. He, you know, he's really, uh, he was a big supporter of, uh, nature, a conservation and, and uh, those types of things. And, uh, one of the things that they do that the public isn't really aware of at Walt Disney world's animal kingdom is they have, uh, behind the scenes, uh, they have a bird aviary, uh, set up, and they've been participating in a breeding program for the Guam kingfisher. And wow. this, is a, this is a bird that was near extinction. And right now there's, there's something like there's only 145 or 150 uh, Guam kingfishers in the world. And they're all um, uh, spread out in captivity uh, as part of a breeding program to try and bring the species back. And it was kind of an interesting story because Guam, uh, uh, somehow the brown tree snake got onto Guam and uh, no doubt through a shipping container or something. And the brown tree snake would climb trees and eat the kingfisher eggs in the nest. Oh, wow. And so there was this steady decline in the population of the Guam kingfisher. And, you know, backstage at the animal kingdom, they're participating in trying to revive this near extinct uh, species of bird. 
Uh, and I think that that's, it's not only a wonderful story, but it, it, it talks to the great work that they're doing behind the scenes, not just at Disney's Animal Kingdom or at SeaWorld, but at zoos around the country uh, and around the world where they're doing breeding programs, they're, uh, they're doing research, they're caring uh, uh, incredibly for these animals. I mean, I remember being on a trip to the Animal Kingdom once with Roy, and we were, we were standing next to a silverback gorilla that yeah. uh, they had put under, and they were removing a bad tooth. And they had an animal dentist who was taking out this uh, rotten tooth in the, uh, of the silverback gorilla. I mean, the, the gorilla's hand was bigger than my head, yeah. you know? I mean, it was amazing. So I, I wanted to just touch on that and, and let our audience know that, you know, these facilities are doing some good work. And, you know, again, I know some of them have gotten a bad rap from activists and stuff like that, but still in the situation where you have a species that's near extinction for whatever reason, and, and you've got all of these great veterinary scientists and whatnot and caregivers out there working diligently to try and, you know, save some of these species and do these breeding programs and bring, bring these uh, species back from the, you know, the edge of extinction. I think that's a great thing. The educational aspect of this is so important for us, not only to just educate ourselves, educate our families, but also support it because not only does the conservation efforts at Disney are, are, are working and helping those animals that are endangered or have their health threatened, but we also have this to say, the, the, the SeaWorld Rescue Center um, deals with that, that life-saving care that is also handled by the zoological um, commissary, which handles uh, all of the diets of the, the parks, um, uh, wildlife that they have. And they're doing it in such a great, careful way and, and being very transparent um, after doing some research, you know, being very transparent in the way that they handle uh, these animals. And yeah. I think it's it's great. So you get to see, you know, um, the shark encounter, sea lions, harbor seals, um, the orca encounter, a bunch of different uh, diets that the, those uh, animals have. And uh, I think it's absolutely fascinating. I, I love the stuff that uh, the nature stuff that we see. And if you get a chance to experience that or if you get a chance to experience some behind the scenes of the conservation stuff they do at Disney's Animal Kingdom, please do it because uh, wow. I can't. I can't stress enough that uh, these animals need our help and uh, it's great that they are at least able to take people behind the scenes and show them you know, what kind of efforts they're doing to, to help these animals. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I absolutely think that they should do something similar at Disney's Animal Kingdom, you know, even even if it's an up, uh, you know, an upcharge um, yeah, they, uh, that allows, you yeah. know, a fam family of five or six or whatever to, to go behind the scenes and see some things, you know, yeah, they, and they learn do that. something. Actually, they do that, Dave. Um, they, they have, they? yeah, they have a couple different things that they, that they offer, um, with the behind the, the scenes, I, I forgot the name of the actual tours. It is in addition to, uh, so it's a hard ticket. So it's a different, 
a different uh, paid experience that you go through, sure. but you can go through there. And what I love, I love talking to the to the zookeepers there because they are so knowledgeable about mm-hmm. that stuff. And that's one thing that Kristen and I, my wife, we love going to Rafiki's Planet Watch just to talk to the keepers and and the the, the zoological people there that are were helping those animals. It's just absolutely fascinating. Love it. You know, I, I sit here, I'm smiling because it, it's like I've been to the animal kingdom so many times, but I was there, you know, when I was an employee and I was, you know, oftentimes with Roy and, you know, I always, you know, we always went behind the scenes. So I never had any idea what, you know, kind of <laughs> tickets or things that they offered, you know, uh, uh, at the front, at the front gate, you know, because we were always zipping in through an employee gate and, you know, uh, just almost have the run of the place. I feel that you, we, we need to talk about the animal kingdom at length with you and your experiences with Roy, because that remembering Roy E. Disney book says a lot. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it, it's one of those things where you have, you know, all the Disney's have their kind of partner statues and, and everything like that in the park and to talk about Roy and his contributions to Animal Kingdom and continuing on with the uh, Walt's efforts with conservation is so cool mm. and how that whole park kind of came about. And I'd love to I'd love to pick your brain on that. At some point, we talk about those stories with about Roy. You know? Absolutely. Uh, for another another show for another show. Absolutely. Yeah, Um, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, uh, moving us along here, uh, big surprise this week with Quibi blowing up and and announcing that they're going to shut down. Yeah, and I, I, I marked this because of your kind of working with Jeffrey Katzenberg over the years. And yeah. with Jeffrey Katzenberg, who obviously huge movie mogul, former um, Disney Studios creative, uh, as well as CEO Meg Whitman, had founded Quibi as a another kind of Netflix creator channel. And it's only been around for less than a year. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and and this is the problem I have with it because, you know, when you start a business, you know, if you, if you started a pizzeria or a sandwich shop that, you know, uh, you really like, you know, when you read business books, they say you should have at least a year's worth of uh, financial resources so that you can open the doors and build your audience, you know, build your clientele. And, you know, they they launched in April, and unfortunately, uh, we got so- socked with this pandemic, and people were staying home. Yeah. Well, you know, Quibi is, is short for Quick Bites. Yep. They were, it was uh, eight to 10 minute uh, content, uh, you know, episodes or chapters that you could watch on your phone. And if you're, you know, staying home, because of the pandemic, you're not going to watch content on your phone. Why would you subscribe to that when you've got a big TV in your house? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I, I just feel as though they they should have kept going and weathered the storm. And uh, because next year, and we talked about this before, Al John, next year when this pandemic is over and the vaccine's out there and people people are just, 
dying to get out of their homes and go do stuff and they're going to be on the run. And that's when you're going to be looking at stuff on your, your mobile phone, you know? Exactly. Right. And it is interesting for, okay. So if I had subscribed to this service, I think everything was being honky dory. Everything's cool. People would subscribe, I guess with ads for like four ninety nine a month or seven ninety nine mm-hmm. without ads, but when they announce this Thursday afternoon, it's still being promoted as such. And the partners for Quibi, who who hocked up the money for all this, had no advance warning about the shutdown, which is crazy. Wow! Like if you're a shareholder, I would be beside myself. My mouth is agape just actually just talking about it. CBS Studios, for one, intends to shop the Liam Hemsworth and Christopher Waltz dystopian action series Most Dangerous Game, which had two short-form Emmy nominations to other outlets. That was one of Quibi's kind of anchor shows. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's it's amazing that they would do this. And so I don't know if you want to read Katzenberg's statement, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> um, you know something, it, it, it just, you know, boils down to, uh, yeah, you go ahead and read it. Yeah. Uh, so it says Katzenberg in a statement yesterday admitted that our, quote, standalone business model is no longer viable, while also saying that the world has changed dramatically since Quibi launched on April 6, revealing that he still ultimately blames the pandemic for the brainchild's failure to take off. Well, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I, again, if you're, if you're stuck at home, if there's, you know, if you're self-isolating, like so many people are doing, they're spending so much time in their homes, they're working in their homes. You're not going to watch content on a mobile phone. You're just not going to do it. I mean, unless it's a, a 30 second or a minute or two video on YouTube, uh, that's uh, something crazy and funny or whatever. Um, you're not going to sit there and watch, you know, an action adventure show on your, on your phone. You know, you, you're going to, you're going to watch it on your television. And, and by the way, why you couldn't, I, and I don't think they had that yet, but you should have been able to, if you subscribe to it, you should have been able to watch it on your television if you wanted to. I think so. That would have been great. It would be yeah. something that YouTube could totally snatch up because that speaks to the type of entertainment that people search for and watch on yeah. YouTube. And so end of life announcement was made by yeah. Quibi. It says we are streaming, uh, winding down our streaming platform December 1st. 2020. Um, we appreciate the support we've received from our customers and we want to thank them for giving us an opportunity to entertain you. So another platform bites the dust, poor timing, uh, unforeseen circumstance, whatever the reason Quibi is shuttering down. Yeah. But, yeah. It's uh, I, I think they should have given it uh, much more of a runway. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think six months is, is enough of a runway yep. um, personally. And, mm-hmm. and the other thing too, that bothered me was they were throwing big money at big names, you yep. know, and they probably could have gotten a heck of a lot more content uh, by going after, you know, young up and coming, uh, content creators. Kind of like what Disney did with maker studios. Well, you know, what? <laughs> maker, Stu- maker studios before Disney purchased it. That's right. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. You said it. You said it. Um, I'll be because back. One, because right. once they, once Disney bought it, uh, Baker Studios went down the tubes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. And I remember going to those parties, by the way. Um, what, early, early on, I remember going to those parties. I, I think we went to uh, a few of them uh, for uh, VidCon, um, a couple things, because my company was involved in a lot of that early going YouTube content sure. creation back in the, the mid mid two thousands, early uh, early to late uh, two thousand nine, something like that. And so, uh, yeah, well, anyway, uh, I alluded to this. Uh, our the the former governor feels fantastic after undergoing heart surgery. Can you imagine Schwarzenegger seventy three? And and this is, I think, the second heart surgery he's had. Yeah, it says that he's had in an aortic valve replacement and wow. uh, he feels fantastic and uh, been walking the streets of Cleveland and he thanks his entire team. I just, it's great that, you know, he's feeling better and that's always good. I've always had a respect for the governor, uh, Schwarzenegger. Um, he's done a really great job of try of staying relevant uh, throughout his entire career. And that just goes for, um, I guess just his, uh, his career, his the way he handles himself and the different roles he's been able to tackle, not only as a big action star, but I tell you, he did that movie that was on Amazon um, where he was protecting his daughter. I'm trying to remember the name of it. It was kind of like a zombie apocalypse movie. It was a very dramatic role and less of an action role. He yeah. did an amazing job in that film. But uh, you, you know something? I have to say, I, I, I'm a fan. I've seen all of his action movies, you know, going back to Conan the Barbarian, oh, yeah. you know, if you remember that. Um, and this last Terminator uh, sequel that they did, uh, I think it was a year or so ago. Um, I can't even remember. It was Terminator something. Dark Fate. Uh, was, it, was it? Yep, Dark Fate, right? Yeah, uh, was it Dark Fate or Resurrection or? Yeah, I think it was I think it was Dark Fate. I think oh, yeah. that's where he came back with. Um, did Did he work with? Um, um, oh shoot, Lightstorm Entertainment. Um, yeah, it was James Cameron. James Cameron. Yeah, again. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, um, uh, he 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 plays the Terminator character who's almost like uh, in witness protection. Yeah. Uh, and he's going by the name of Carl and he has a drapery business and it's the funniest thing to see him. He's talking to one of the other characters about, you know, uh, a customer wanted such and such in, in the kid's bedroom. And I said, no, you can't do that. You have to, you have to use a, you know, this type of thing, you know, and he was being so serious. It was hilarious as he it. was talking about draperies and you see this, you know, he's still the Terminator, you know, Oh, yeah. But I I enjoyed the movie, and I'm I'm glad to hear he's doing well uh, after yet another. And, and by the way, uh, I've talked to a number of people who've had valve replacements on their heart, and uh, they all say the same thing: they have a tremendous amount of energy afterwards. You know, absolutely. I, I yeah. think. Uh, well, I think he is on the mend, and he'll be back. So uh, I just I had to say that. I couldn't help Yes, you did because he will be back. <laughs> he, he definitely will be back. Now, uh, before we get into some other news, I wanted to play a little bit. You're familiar with this song, Dave? Can you hear it? I'm listening. Yeah, I'm listening. I don't want to lose your 
Yeah, Tony Lewis, right? Absolutely. This anytime my band played that song, "Your Love" by the Outfield, everyone got up and danced. That that was their that was their really one big hit, wasn't it? Yeah, and, they had a couple. It, it really yeah. speaks to that time period. It was a signature piece, I think. Yeah. You listen to that song, and it starts out with that guitar riff, and everybody knows it, just like Summer of 69 by Brian Adams would play, and it just gets everybody happy. And that song definitely was. And it's unfortunate that Tony Lewis, the singer for The Outfield, died, um, I think, on the 21st. Uh, at the age of 62, man, these oh, rock stars passing away. That is young. That, that is, is young. young. How did he die? No reason was given. No reason wow. was given. And it is very sad. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Eddie Van Halen passing. Now we have Tony yeah. Lewis passing. Um, he had several uh, number one uh, songs on the Billboard chart, but the one that everyone talks about um, for the U.S. pop chart was Your Love that I just played a little clip of. Yeah. And uh, uh, your love, the video has boasted over 300 million views on YouTube, Dave, 300 wow. million views. Just imagine if YouTube was around during the MTV era and how many views that song would have. That's oh, that's pretty moly. amazing. But not only that, uh, we also wanted to make a note of uh, other kind of passings. Uh, Brian Song and Root screenwriter uh, William Blinn had passed away at the age of 83 uh, wow, just, I, and that's like on the cusp of uh, Lynn Swan passing away exactly, uh, a week or two ago. Exactly, uh, you know, and I think a lot of people understand how important uh, the series Roots was. Uh, just an incredible, incredible uh, miniseries that that played, I believe, yeah. on ABC, if I'm not mistaken. I remember seeing yeah, that. Yeah, and, and groundbreaking. I mean, it was really groundbreaking at the time. I mean, that was the first big uh miniseries that they did yeah and the ones that the tv miniseries to follow after that that was what uh, back in the the early 70s uh, yeah uh with um oh gosh lavar burton uh, uh the thornbirds oh the thornbirds the thornbirds was one too yes absolutely yeah, yeah. um but that was it was so good it was so good. And Brian Song, also uh, a great film. So another great talent uh, who lived a great life and, last, uh, and gave a lasting legacy. Also, Mr. Bo Jangles, Jerry Jeff Walker, the singer-songwriter, died at 78. That's also a, a great pop song, I think. Um, I remember listening to that. My mom grew up in the, the era, uh, or I grew up in the era of AM Gold. And that song, uh, I still listen to it with very fond memories. So uh, rest in peace, guys. Skull Rock Podcast. This week in Disney and pop culture. I I saw this, Dave. We, we talk about screaming content all the time. Your one of your favorite franchises, James Bond. It is, and when I saw this, I literally said no. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I'm so glad that uh, okay, you explore these things, but I'm glad they're not going to do it. You know, because you know, a James Bond film has to be seen on a big screen. In fact, I'm looking forward to seeing the James Bond No Time to Die 
film, the next one, which was going to open in November. Well, it was supposed to open this past April. Then it was pushed to November. Now it's pushed to next April. And I am looking forward to seeing that on an IMAX screen. That's where I'm going to see that movie. Right, exactly. It, it's amazing to me, though. I mean, 600 million sale to streaming services is is crazy. Like, yeah, yeah, but you know what? No time to die if it goes out to the movie theaters. A lot of these big films belong on the big screen. They really do. They really do. I, I, know, look, I, I, I've said it before. I am a huge movie fan, and I go to the movies once a week during non-pandemic times, uh, and I just can't wait to get back into the movie theaters when it's safe. I haven't seen Tenet yet. And I don't think yeah. I, I don't think I, 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 it's hard to say, man. I, 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 I want to go to the theater so bad, or at least a drive-in theater. Have you been to the drive-in yet, Dave, during, during this time? Have no, not during this pandemic. I have not. Okay. Uh, in fact, in fact, last week, I think I told you the last time I was at a drive-in theater was the Johnny Allweather drive-in in Amityville, Long Island. Okay. I was going to say just down the road from the Amityville horror. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> well, I, I hope that the movie industry uh, will recover. It would be great to see the new James Bond film in all of its glory on the big screen with a massive audio system, a massive audio system because yeah, it just has to be, it has to be. Uh, and, and, and look, I, I'm going to tell you, uh, we are going to get through this, uh, pandemic. Uh, things are going to get back to normal. Uh, they are going to, it, you know, it, it'll take a little bit uh, of time, but we will get there. And there is a much brighter year ahead of us. Once we get 2020 behind us. Absolutely. We have a, a couple more stories. Uh, I know we have a lot to talk about, but I think this is one that you will absolutely love, Dave. I'm going to play a little bit of a clip here for you because mm -hmm. it's so much fun. Let me see if I can uh, get this clip here moving. Magical World of Disney it had done this really cool Halloween treat. Are you familiar with this? Uh, very, very vaguely. Uh, very vaguely. I kind of remember this. Okay. Um, I'm going to play a little bit of a clip here because Michael Eisner does this show open. And <laughs> it's always cute when uh, Eisner interacts with the characters at the top of uh, the wonderful world of Disney, right? I mean, back I in the day. I got their dates wrong here, though, because Michael Eisner wasn't at Disney. This originally aired in uh, October of 1982. Michael Eisner didn't come into Disney uh, until years later. Yeah, I don't think the, the years were right at all for this. So, and, and it doesn't line up with when the Disney Channel um, did these type of uh, did this type of programming. But, yeah, and by the way, I don't like the colorized version of Skeleton Dance. Okay, I'm glad you mentioned that. I was going to ask you about that because it's very. I'm not a fan of colorizing. I wore my Skeleton Dance a buy work shirt the other day. I think I, I meant to wear it during our show, but here's here's a little uh, audio clip there of Michael Eisner. Disney gang stopped by my office on the way to a Halloween party 
to show me their costumes. How do I look, Michael? Well, Mickey, you look great. I would have never guessed it was you. Hi, Michael. It's me, Minnie. <laughs> How do I look? Uh, fantastic. You look truly fantastic. Ow. Uh, by the way, where's Goofy? Oh, he'll be right here. He's been working on his costume for a month. No one will ever guess it's Goofy. Never. Oh, there's Goofy now. Hiya, guys. What do you think? It's Michael Eisner as himself <laughs> instead of Goofy. <laughs> but um, I think it's a worth a look, at least for the early portion of that Michael Eisner kind of treat there because um, it, it was just very funny. It was just very funny. Yeah, it, he was always very stilted when he did some of those things. I well, think he was yeah. I think he was trying to be uh, Walt Disney again. You that's know, it, right? Some of this stuff, yeah. That's exactly right. And he's trying to capture some of that interaction that Walt did when he the, he did World of Color. And yeah. when the Disney Channel launched, he kind of wanted to be that kind of presence uh, the, that welcomed you into the Disney family every week. And it was just kind of weird. <laughs> it kind of pulled off weird. I, I mean, I think it might have worked if you had Roy Disney do it, but mm-hmm. I, I just it, it always felt stilted with him. He he wasn't really an actor, you know. That's exactly exactly the the term stilted is what I would use. So you nailed it yeah. on the head there. The last but not least, because you know it, it is the Halloween season, and so we talked about the Halloween treat special. I'll put the link in our show notes. But the other thing that's really interesting is Tim Burton, our friend. Right. Um, Tim Burton is aiming to bring the Adams family back to television. I, I mean, this, you know, this seemed like such a natural. I mean, uh, uh, the article said the obvious pairing of creator and material, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, certainly I think Tim could bring uh, his own vision to the Adams family. And I think that's interesting. I think it's uh, he's going to executive produce the series, but he also may direct uh, all the episodes as well, or at least some of them. I think it's, Wonderful. If this is a live action film or film or live action series, I think that would be great. The animation is okay, but live action, I think that's fun. I think that would be fun. And it would kind of harken back to the type of weekly comedy, fun 30 minute series that, um, that is missing. I think frankly, from a lot of uh, what is being produced today, not that uh, you know some of these other kind of weekly comedy series are are are, um, are in short supply, but they're not as prevalent. Um, I would say. I mean, I don't know. What do you think, Dave, about these type of live action comedies? You know, I have mixed feelings about the rebooting of uh, old stuff. Uh, I think sometimes it works uh, well, um, and sometimes, uh, you know, they they just kind of lose sight of what the original was. Uh, but there's certainly a lot of great concepts out there, and I think the Adams Family is is one of those. You know, they they've done Adams Family movies uh, that uh, have been reasonably successful and, and, and have endured. I think that doing an Adams family TV show is really going to hinge on the casting mm-hmm. and certainly uh, having somebody like Tim Burton attached to it. And, and again, his, his design sensibilities and his, uh, his vision uh, for something like this, uh, I think will be a big plus. 
so I'm actually looking forward to to seeing this. I think I think Tim will do a terrific job on it. And by the way, you know, uh, uh, somebody wrote that uh, this would be Burton's first venture into directing for television. That's baloney. <laughs> he had directed some stuff. He had di- directed some stuff at Disney uh, before he uh, in, very early in his career for the Disney Channel. Yes. Um, and so you know, again, uh, people need to do some fact checking when when they write articles. Well, you know, that's a thing about Nerdist. Um, they're not always <laughs> when you know um, these things are more blogs than actual yeah. actual journalism. In my I opinion, know, but they, they so should fact check. They, they should really fact should. check. <laughs> uh, you know what? Why don't you have us write the article, Nerdist, and and we'll be happy to get all those clicks pointing to our Skull Rock podcast. But uh, but anyway, I, I will say this: I really enjoyed the Adams Family Values movies. Um, Angelica yeah. Houston, right? Um, very good. Rob, Christopher Rob Lloyd, Julia, who Rob was a terrific actor. Oh my gosh, yeah. so good, yeah. so yeah. good. And uh, Christina Ricci. Uh, hard to beat and Barry Sonnenfeld as well, because uh, I thought he did great in those films. I thought uh, they were very fun family fair, just like uh, Barry did with uh, men in black to come after that and so many other things. But uh, once again, great stuff. I'm looking forward to it either way. I think it is really cool. We had so much to talk about. I think the the last thing I wanted to say is Mandalorian premieres this Friday, October 30th on Disney Plus. And this is going to be one knockout season. It's um, it's going to be amazing. I don't know, Dave, if you've streamed the Mandalorian at all. Yes. So I was going to tell you um, that I actually sat and binge watched the Mandalorian. Oh, and I loved it. I mean, to me, it was like a Western in outer space. You know what I love about that is I loved the serialized drama superhero style, incredible Hulk back in the day with Bill Bixby or yeah. the legend of Kung Fu and that type of serialized uh, Ronin, uh, you know, lonely man just walking across, just like the old westerns. The the, the guy, the that, anti-hero, the, the anti-hero. Yes, that's exactly right. You right. So, I, of course, you know, Dave knows you're you're a study in archetypes. So, that kind of series is exactly what I feel the Mandalorian is. It captures that that weekly episodic, ongoing story of the the Ronin the. Um, the, the warrior without a clan, the warrior with no face, with no name, mm-hmm. who comes into the village, helps out the village who's under um, duress because he's being hunted, right? Just like the original Incredible Hulk, right? He always had that that reporter and the military always searching for him. And, and so I'm glad. So you like the show. I love the show. I thought it was terrific. And you know something, I I, I would say that I enjoy uh, the entire Star Wars franchise. I've seen all of the movies, you know, all, all what now, what, nine films uh, uh, that they've done and uh, and now these offshoots. Uh, and I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed them. Uh, I wouldn't say that I'm a rabid fan about it. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what the difference is. Uh, obviously, you know, for me, I, I like to go see these films on big screen and they're, they're terrific entertainment. What did you think of Baby Yoda? I thought Baby Yoda was terrific. I thought, you know, considering, you know, the technology that's available today, they, they're doing a really good job with that, that uh, character uh, for a television show, I have to say, you know. And, and by the way, speaking of Baby Yoda, I was watching a news program. There was, I think it was, they were reporting on the protests going on in uh, Nigeria, and uh, they were interviewing somebody on the street and it was a giant baby Yoda spray painted like mural on the wall behind them. Of course. And I was sitting there going, hey, baby Yoda. <laughs> I know, right? Well, talk about transcending galaxies, transcending culture. Culture, I, yeah. You know, that's exactly what it's all about. At the end of the day, those with the best stories, the best content win, and Disney Plus is going to knock it out of the park. The new season of The Mandalorian finds the child continuing on with The Mandalorian on their journey, facing enemies, rallying allies as they make their way through the dangerous galaxy in the tumultuous era after the collapse of the Galactic Empire. Um, it will be premiering season two, the sophomore season, October 30th. And I cannot wait. I cannot <laughs> I know wait. You can. <laughs> I just, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. So Dave, we've got some upcoming shows that we're going to be working on here as we wind the show up. You want to tell everybody what our schedule is looking like? Uh, at least yeah, a little you know bit? something I'm very excited because next, uh, next week we're interviewing Joe Hale, the producer of the Black Cauldron. Oh man! Now, Can't wait. Uh, I I I met Joe way back when when I started working on that picture. Um, that was my first picture at Walt Disney Animation Studios, and uh, so we're going to be interviewing him. He's ninety five and sharp as a tack. We're going to be talking about his career. We'll we'll touch on the Black Cauldron. Uh, well, you know he he knew Walt, uh, so you know it's uh, it's going to be a fun conversation. Uh, we've got a bunch of other folks coming up. I don't even know if I want to tip our hand yet for November. No, uh, I, I can't let's believe try it. And get through, let's try <laughs> and get through uh, uh, October, our first month. This is our freshman month. How's I that? I love it. I love it, Dave. I love talking <laughs> with you every single week and, and sharing our thoughts on Disney and pop culture with our listeners every week. Uh, don't forget, to subscribe to the podcast on all the different podcast platforms now on Apple Podcasts coming soon to others. Uh, we'll let you know when those drop. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'll have the links here in our show notes. And send us those emails, Dave. Uh, Yes, What's everybody your email? can email us, <laughs> and we, we have been getting emails. Uh, you can email us at dave at skullrockpodcast.com or aljohn at skullrockpodcast.com. Uh, and again, you know, we're, we're also on uh, Facebook. We're on Facebook. Uh, 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 Twitter and we're on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, and uh, we're, we're enjoying ourselves. And we had so much more stuff to talk about. Uh, holy mackerel. I, know, I mean, right? we, we've got some great shows coming up. That's all I can say. We have so much to talk about and so much to share with you. 
So thank you so much for letting us into your home, into your workday, your commute, what have you, with the Skull Rock podcast. And we appreciate uh, everyone's support. Like, share, and subscribe as always. And Dave, I can't wait. Next week. I I just, yeah, I just want to say I so appreciate doing this show with you, Al, John. And I've been having a ball every week since we started doing this. It's just been a lot of fun. And I hope our audience is enjoying it as well. Likewise. And uh, it is a pleasure for me to connect with you every week, Dave. It's, it's, It's a lot of fun just talking about what we love. And you're basically in on this entire conversation. So we treat you as family. Thank you so much for being part of it. And until next week, we'll see you real soon. Bye-bye. Be well. Be safe.